Amen. So you have your Bibles. First, let's, let's go to 1 Kings 18. Uh, let, let's do that. And we're going to look at Psalm 63, but it's going to be, um, we'll kind of bounce back and forth here. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 45, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Everyone say the sound of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He was in a posture of prayer. And I do believe that prayer does have posture. I believe that when, when we are praying that we should uh, consider, consider our feeling, consider our position, if you will, consider our uh, what we're doing and, and whether or not it's a casual posture or whether or not it's an intense posture. And if you do a study into the types of prayers, you'll see different types of intercessory prayers and prayers from knowledge or prayers from understanding. And oftentimes different levels of prayer can take different tolls on your body. I remember many teachings of different apostolics through the ages, ministers through the ages, where they would talk about how prayer can affect them physically. Uh, they can pray for so many hours, uh, for so long and so hard, so intensely that it can physically drain, not physically drain them and physically cause pain. And so what we see here from the prophet is that he is praying to such a degree that he is, he is bowed down to where his face is by his, or by his knees. In verse 43, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times the prophet said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. So there was a moment where the servant went off to the cliff and he looked and looked over the horizon and Coming out of the sea, he saw a cloud, a small cloud. He said, there is a cloud, a small, as small as a man's hand, rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy Rain. This morning, I want to preach about this subject, the sound of rain. The sound of rain. In the Bible, rain has a great significance. In your Bible, rain takes on uh, great meaning. It represents the blessings of God in your Bible. When the farmer went to sow seed, he did it based on the fact that there would be rain. They were hoping, praying, believing, having faith for rain. In fact, one person could say that the farmer really is uh, an individual who lives the most by faith. They're trusting and believing that rain is going to come. I remember, uh, and you do as well, 
a few years ago where California, we experienced a very terrible drought. It seems like we're always in a drought, but this was significant back, I think it was in 2012, and I, I can remember, uh, you know, the, 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 where I lived in the central coast, central valley, excuse me, of California, very dependent on the uh, winter's rain, very dependent on uh, the crops coming in. And it was a year, multiple years, it seemed, where the rainfall just was not where it needed to be and the reservoirs were at record lows. And uh, people were getting very concerned. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a gentleman that tracked the springs underneath the ground. I didn't even know, I didn't know how all that worked, but he was telling me how, how it worked. In Northern California, there are streams under the ground, and they measure the amount of water that passes through those streams. And uh, they were telling me that the city of Sacramento, where the capital is, had actually sank into the ground a few inches, I think it was. It was something incredible that, that the water levels under the earth had gotten so low that it caused and affect the upper atmosphere, the top level to uh, react to that. So it was, a, it was an incredible, incredible drought. And so even today in our world, we still see the effects or the power that rain can have if we go without for too long. Rain uh, in the Bible had the same type of significance. Rain when it came was the blessing of God, but no rain was a sign of God cursing and sign that God had taken his provision off of that land. If no rain came, then the land would die, it would turn into a desert, it would turn into a place where nothing would grow. There was no way to get food, fruit, vegetables, any resource, no way to water cattle or the herds. There, there needed to be water. If no rain would come, then the land would die along with all the civilization. The people would have to pick up and go. The rain Causes Without rain, it would cause a great famine in the land. It would cause uh, people to suffer and ultimately die. And so rain in the Bible takes on a very significant uh, idea. And also a dry place. Let's go now to the scripture in Psalm 63.1. The Bible says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Where? In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The psalmist is saying that without God, it's like being in a desert place, being in a place that is without sustenance, being in a place without hope or civilization, lost, dry, no water, no hope, no blessing. No rain equaled that dry place, a, a place where God had abandoned, God's blessings had abandoned. And you might be asking today, why are you uh, preaching about this dry place? Because I can feel in my spirit that there are folks here this morning that you feel like you are in that dry place. 
that place where you haven't tasted of the water that of God's blessing or God's provision and almost as if you feel like God has forgotten about you that the, the streams of your life have, have dried up and there's no more flow there's, there's no more presence of God it's almost like you can't feel God the way that you used to feel God that when you go to pray it's just a dry place it's a desert there's no response has anybody ever been there before it seems like you're knocking on heaven's door but you can't seem to get an answer you wake up early you go to bed late you say the same prayer and you say God why can't I hear you why can't I feel you? You feel like you're in a, a desert place. Maybe your marriage has run across an ice storm and it's just frozen over in your household. You walk through the corridors of your house down the hallway and you can feel the, the, that, that cold freeze between you and your wife. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? That cold freeze between you and your brother or sister, your family in conflict, a family that is constantly fighting and bickering. and There's this conflict. There's a dry place. There's no water. There's no life. It feels like there's no blessings. Well, can I tell someone today that you are in the right place because the Bible says that God sends the rain both in the natural and in the spiritual, Job 38, 28, has the rain a father. Job 38, 37, who can tip the water jars of heaven? Rhetorically speaking, we know only this is God. Can idols give rain or heavens their showers? Jeremiah 14, 22, God made a decree for the rain, Job 28, 26. In other words, he said, this is a powerful verse. God made a decree for the rain. That means that he set a standard. He put a command in place. He's the one that controls when the rain falls and when it stops. God is in charge of the rain. God says to the rain, be strong, Job 37, 6. God provides season, Jeremiah 5, 24. When God went forth, the heavens dripped water, Judges 5, 4. I'm telling someone today, God controls the rain in your life, in my life. God controls the blessings, the favor. And I've come to declare to someone today that if you're ready on this Sunday morning in April, your drought can be over. God is ready to send rain into your life. I'm talking about rain of blessing, rain of favor, rain of glory. Well, let me just stop there for a minute. Some of us think that somehow that favor, that God's favor is something that uh, we have to earn or something that we need to give enough money to or, or somehow be good enough or, or, or pray enough prayers or fast enough days. Friend, that's not how it works. Uh, to get in the favor of God, all you got to do is align with his word. All you got to do is be a son or daughter, be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and you have the favor favor of God. I live every single day of my life in the favor of God. Preacher, are you saying you don't have bad days? That's not what I said. 
Everybody has bad days. But when you walk in the favor of God, you know that every day walking with the Lord is better than any day living in the world. Where God brought me from is not even close to where I am today. I live in the blessings and the favor of God. And that means that I know, I believe, I trust that God's got my back, that God's on my side, that he can hear me when I call. He can hear my prayers. See, we don't pray like everybody else prays. We, We don't pray like everybody else prays. We don't hope for God to do something. We expect God to do something because we're the children of God. We, we have a privilege that no one else has. We have God's hand, his power, his glory. I am a privileged man. You know, they make, they make a lot of privilege in our culture, you know. That's like uh, one of those trigger words. You got to be careful saying that you're privileged these days. Uh, well, I don't have any problems telling you that I am privileged because I am a child of the king. the rain and he can the blessings of God to be poured out in your life I'm talking to a church I believe I don't know about you but I know for myself uh, but I have to have the favor of God I can't live one day without it And I'm not ashamed to say that. You know, there's something in our culture, there's pride in our culture that tries to make us think that we need to be all tough and pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, you know, that expression. I don't know, they say that down here, Southern California. Pick ourselves up. I never wear boots, so I don't know what, you know. But we say it, you know, do it ourselves, you know. We got to be able to do it ourselves. We We can figure this thing out. And we're like little kids, you know. My kids, they always want to do it themselves. Let me do it myself. Well, I know as soon as I let them do it themselves, it's going to be more of a mess for me, but, you know, but they got to grow, so that, you, know, you let them do it, but then, of course, they mess everything up, just like that with God. We figure we can do it ourselves. We can figure this thing out. I don't need any help. I got this. I can do it, and we get to doing it. We get to messing everything up, and, and we come back to God. Our lives in shambles, relationships in shambles. Everything's a disaster, and we're like, Dad, <laughs> I need your help. There's nothing wrong with coming back to God saying, God, I I need your help. The problem is you let too much pride get in. It keeps you from the altar. Somehow you don't want to to come back to church because, man, everyone's going to know what I did. Everyone's going to know where I went. Going to know I messed up and I'm back again. And I just feel like a hypocrite for going back to church. Friend, that doesn't make you a hypocrite. That makes you a Christian. Did you hear what I said? When you mess up, 
and you come back to church, that doesn't make you a hypocrite. That makes you a child of God. That makes that you're human. You're like everybody else. Why? Because we all mess up. The Bible says a righteous man falleth seven times, but he gets back up. It's okay to fall down once in a while, but you got to get back up. Don't stay in that dry place. You got to come out of there. You can't stay where you are at. But you got to make up your mind. I might be in a desert right now. I might not be able to hear God the way I want to hear God right now. But I'm not staying in this desert. I need the blessings, the favor of God. And you need to pray. And you need to seek God. And you need to worship. And you need to praise God until you feel the rain. Oh, hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times that I felt that dry spirit come on me. I can't tell you how many times I felt that dryness in my life. But you know what I do, Brother Andy? I feel that dry spirit. I know how to get the rain in my life. I get to prayer. I get to the word. I get to worshiping God. And there's just something about worship and praise. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And so when you get to worshiping God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When you get to worshiping God and singing his praises. And you know what, Brother Ivan, I'm not a very good singer, but I start to sing. My family, they start to laugh at me when I get to singing. But that's all right because I feel the power of God. And when you begin to sing and praise God and worship God and say I need the presence of God all of a sudden it's like a spiritual cloud enters your room and the rain of the Holy Ghost begins to fall and it begins to saturate everything I'm telling someone today that if it's been a while for you you need to get up on your feet and just begin to worship God begin to tell him Jesus I love you Jesus I praise you Jesus I need you Oh, hallelujah. I believe that. I believe it because I've experienced that. Come too late to tell me that's not how it works. That's how it works. Because everybody goes through those dry seasons. Everybody goes through a moment in time where you just can't feel God the way you want to feel God. You say, well, what do I do? Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop praising God. There's a reason we start off every single church service with worship and praise. There's a reason the Bible says come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There's a reason he tells us to do that. Praise and worship opens up the presence of God. It opens up the atmosphere. It, it creates an atmosphere so that you and I can have the power of God falling in our life so we can feel the rain of the Holy Ghost. And I've told you before, I'll say it again, but you need to have that every single day in your life. Brother Chris, every day we need to have it. Every single day we got to have that in our life. And you can have it every morning. You can have it in the afternoon, in the evening, whenever you gather your family together and say, come on, we need to have a move of God in this home. You need to stave it off at the past. If, you, if you're in a, a, a family, you, you got a family situation where you can feel that conflict, you can feel the attack of hell, 
You need to gather the family around, and even if they are going to think, oh, this is corny, or dad has never done this before, who does he think he is? He's getting all spiritual, or mom's trying to do something again, you know. Whatever, rebuke the devil in Jesus' name, praise God. You got to make up in your mind, we're going to have a a spiritual atmosphere in this home. We're going to have the power of God in this home. And let me tell you, young parents, moms and dads, what you set as the precedent for your home, that's what's going to be consistent in your children's life. Hear me, the way that you live, your kids are going to follow. You want them to worship God, you got to worship. You want them to pray, then you got to pray. You want them to weep in the spirit, then you got to weep in the spirit. You can't expect them to follow somebody else. You say, well, I, I put them in life, kids, you know. I brought them to church. Yeah, how long is that? How long we have church? Like two hours a Sunday? You know, 45 minutes on what? You think that's enough for your kids? No, no. They got to see it every single day. You put them in church for two hours, but then we send them to school. Well, we used to send them to school, but now, you know. They go to school for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. Think about that. Then they're on YouTube for an hour and the Netflix for two more hours. Well, where do you think they're learning from? Where do you think their patterns are coming from? Where do you think they learn those words and concepts and things? If you want them to be spiritual, you got to show it to them. You got to make an example in your home. You got to show them how to bring down the rain. Because I want my kids to know. I want my kids to know. that When you're going through a dry season, this is how you get out of it. Let dad show you how to do it. Grab your word. Read your word. Start praising God. Start trusting in him. Why? Because there's going to come a day where mom and dad aren't going to be there for those kids. There's going to come a day where they're going to make some decisions, going to go off to college, going to get married, and God forbid, go, go off somewhere, do their own thing. What's going to be in them? What's going to be in them that's going to last, that's going to change, that's going to, what's going to matter? Is it going to be the YouTube or the Netflix? Is it going to be what they saw at school? What's it going to be in their life that's going to really matter? Friend, what I want in their life is right here in this leather book. What I want in their spirit is right here in the word of God. What I want in their spirit is how to get the reign of the Holy Ghost in their Life. So what do we do? There's a number of ways we find ourselves in a dry place. Three ways I can see, and there's probably more. The first way is we put ourselves in a dry place. We did it to ourselves. We messed it up. Tried to do it our own way. Tried to act like we knew what was best. Psalm 68 says, God... Sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. What does that word rebellious mean? It just means that you thought you knew better. That's what it means. It goes against the established authority. Sometimes rebellion is a good thing when the established authority is evil. But what the Bible here is talking about rebellion It's talking about going against the will of God, going against the plan of God. 
He said, these rebellious, those ones that follow rebellion, that think they know better, they're going to end up in a dry place. Sometimes we put ourselves in that dry place. Sometimes with our own arrogance, our own pride, our own thinking that we know we can do it better, we end up putting ourselves into a place where God curses. This is why the prophet Elijah in the very beginning, we read the story when there was, the drought was over. But in the beginning, Elijah stopped the rain. Why? Out of the rebellion of the people of God. Israel's rebellion. The prophet said, how long are you going to bounce back and forth? How long will you be between these two opinions? I, I'm stopping the rain. Later on, the Bible tells us that God never told him to stop the rain. The prophet did that all on his own. And then the Bible also says that he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. That means that the man of God had the authority to stop the rain. There is a correlation there between our response to the word of God, the plan of God, and the blessings of God. You want the blessings of God in your life. You got to weed out every spirit, every spirit and seed of rebellion in your life. Hear me. Every seed. There can be nothing in our spirits that is in conflict or contrary to the word of God. What does that mean then? That means that we always must live in constant, this is the word of the hour that no one really wants to say, submission to the word of God. This is God, whatever it says in this word, that's the way I'm going to live. God, even if I don't like it, God, whatever it says in this word, that's what I'm going to live. And that is submission. When you say, okay, God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I'm going to do. God, wherever you want, whatever you say, God, this is going to be the measurement of my life. This is how I'm going to live my life. And when you do that, you put yourself in submission with God. See, the Bible says the carnal mind, the worldly mind is at enmity, meaning it's against God. It's against his word. When you got saved, when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, that God literally did a surgery on your mind. He gave you the ability to say no to sin. He gave you the ability to resist temptation. He, he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it's that way every single day that we live in submission to the word of God. We say, God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. I'm letting go of my desire. I'm letting go of my wants. I'm letting go of my, uh, the way I see things. And I want it the way that you see things. I, I'm not going to put myself in this dry place anymore. I'm going to submit myself to your word, to your will, and to your way. And when you do that, that's when the rain, the presence of God, will begin to fall in your life. It will begin to fall in your family. It'll begin to fall in your finances, your health. I, I'm telling you, God's got blessings for every single part of your life. I'm not just talking spiritually. I believe God wants to bless us financially. I believe God wants to bless your family in your body, in your health. I believe he wants to bless your children with a legacy. Oh, there's things that you've battled in your life that your kids are not going to battle. That's a blessing from God. 
Hear me. There's addictions that you don't even know that God has been protecting you from. That is the blessing and the favor of God. And God has so many of these blessings. But what we have to do is we have to say, God, I'm submitting to you, submitting to your word, submitting to your plan. So there's times we put ourselves in this dry place. Then there's other times where other people, someone say other people. Everyone say other people. Other people can put you in that dry place. The Bible talks about a man named Joseph. You've been in church any length of time. You've heard about Joseph before. He was a young man that had dreams. But the problem was he had some brothers, siblings, didn't like those dreams. Maybe Joseph was a little bit arrogant because you know, he shared the dreams. Probably been better if he didn't tell anybody about his dreams. But nonetheless, that's what he did. And the Bible says he tells his family about the dreams. He says, hey, guys, I know you hate my guts because my dad hate, loves me better than he loves you. But guess what? One day you're going to serve me. That's what my dream said. That didn't work out too well for him. He had a dream that one day he was going to be elevated to a certain position in he saw in his dream bales of hay. He saw this going on and seemed like his siblings and even his mother and father would bow down to worship him. And, of course, he tells his brothers this dream and his parents this dream, and they respond in kind. The Bible says that his brothers wanted to kill him, wanted to put him to death. Not for, just for that, but his father loved Joseph more than the other brothers. The Bible says in chapter 37, of the book of Genesis, verse 24, that after his brothers had decided, we're going to get rid of this guy, and we're going to, they wanted to kill him, the eldest said, no, 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 let's not kill him, let's just kind of sell him, you know, we'll just kind of sell him into slavery, we'll, you know, just kind of, you know, keep him or whatever, and his plan was to come back and rescue Joseph. So it came to pass in verse 24 of chapter 37 of Genesis, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the coat, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. They threw him into the ground. And the pit was empty. Why? Because it had no water in it. It, was a, it had no water in it. It was a, uh, a pit that was used to be a type of reservoir where they would feed the herds and cattle. and It was a, a pit that was designed to hold like a pond, basically, a but man-made pond, and they took him and they threw him in it, but this pit had no water, and I find it to be incredibly symbolic of the life of Joseph. That although he didn't really do anything wrong, he just had a dream, but his brothers evilly and maliciously took him and cast him into the pit. They put him in a dry place. I'm talking to some people today that you did nothing wrong, but someone took you and put you into a dry place. Whether that was through some sort of abuse or a lie or a abandonment or you know, at no fault of your own. Hear me right now. Some of you have landed in a dry place. You are going along your business. You are living in the blessings of God. 
Some of you folks are just getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. Coming. Some of our new folks are new here to this life church. You're going to find out really quick when you make a choice to follow after God, it seems like that's when all hell starts breaking loose. All of a sudden, people that you trusted, you're like, what, what's going on? People that said they loved you turn on you. People that you thought were on your side found out they really weren't. And there's, it's very easy to find yourself in a place where you can't feel God. You can't feel the reign of the Holy Ghost. Not because of anything you did, but because of what someone else did to you. You see, bitterness and anger will stop the move of God in your life. Hear me. Bitterness and unforgiveness and anger will stop the reign of God in your life. In church, no matter where we are, we cannot allow a seed of bitterness to grow in our spirit. You got to do everything. I just, I'm telling you now, I feel this in my spirit so strong in this moment. I've seen bitterness destroy ministries. I've seen bitterness destroy families. I've seen bitterness Divide mothers from daughters, sons from fathers. And the devil, oh, he's so crafty. Because he'll use a situation that happened to you, and he'll just kind of poke and prod. He knows right what buttons to push. And, and if you don't take care of that root, the, the Bible calls it a root of bitterness, Brother Chris. The reason it calls it a root of bitterness is because it grows inside of you. And if you don't cut it out, if you don't get in there and do surgery and rip that thing out, it just gets, as a root does, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And that, and that before you know it, that root is so deep, so wide, that it's covering every aspect of your life. You ever met those people where they're just bitter? You ever met just a bitter person? It's like you say something to them like, Nice day, isn't it? Nah, it's all right. Well, <laughs> guess it was a nice day. Good morning. What's so good about this morning? You know, they're the people that say morning, not just good morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why is that? Because somewhere down the line, well, it could just be they don't have the Holy Ghost, but otherwise, if it's a Christian, more than likely there's a root there, there's a root of bitterness. And when you have the Holy Spirit, when you, when you get close to God, you can start feeling that I'm people. Sometimes it's not even perceptible, like, what's going on? I, I, don't, I, don't, I feel something's off with you. And you, know, you don't tell them that, you know, but like, you just feel something off. And it's, a, it's that spirit that you're bumping up against. Because whether you realize this or not, when you are having a conversation with someone, your spirits are actually interacting. Did you know that? Yeah. That's why sometimes you can feel things, sense things. There's a, also a spiritual gift at work. It's called the gift of discerning of spirits, and that is in the life of a number of individuals. And when you have that, you can discern between what spirits are at work. 
But this is what happens when you run up against someone that has that root of bitterness and that they haven't cleaned out. It impacts every area of their life. They're angry. They're frustrated. Every situation now is colored with the bitterness of that lens. It's like that rose-colored glasses, only the opposite. And everything that they see has that tint, that filter of bitterness. Hear me today. Bitterness will destroy your life. It'll cut you off from God. It'll send you to hell. It'll destroy your family. You've got to get rid of it. You say, well, I didn't do anything. It was me. They did it to me. You're absolutely right. But they took you and they put you into that dry place. No matter if you did it yourself or someone else put you there, either way, you can't stay there. I said, you can't stay there. You got to get out. You got to make up in your mind, I've got to get out of this. I've got to feel the presence of God. I've got to know the power of God. I got to feel his presence. And you know what? It might be hard. I, I, sometimes I wonder why God keeps bringing things back to me. Different times I was talking to an elder in my life. And it's, why does it seem like God just keeps bringing things back and I'm preaching. It's like I said that already. Why am I saying it again? And my elder said, it's because you got to say it again. Sometimes it needs to sink in. It needs to get into our spirit. It needs to get into our mind. And I'm telling someone here today, don't let that bitterness grow. You got to make up your mind as it's said in the word. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Even when I sit in darkness. Notice what he said. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. He didn't say, if I happen to fall, if I make a mistake, if it goes wrong, if I end up in a dry place, if I stop feeling the word of the power of God and the word of God, if that happened, no, no, he didn't say any of that. He said, when I fall. Everyone say when. When this happens, what does that mean? It means that when it takes place in the future, I've already made up my mind what I'm going to do about it. When calamity happens to me, I already know my response. I am prepared by my response. When I sit in darkness, the Lord's going to be my light. In other words, I've already made up my mind. I'm not going to stay in that dry place. I've already made up my mind. When I fall, I'm going to get back up. And nothing is going to stop me from getting back up. Up. The difference between a child of God and everybody else is they've got a made up mind not to give up, not to quit, not to throw in the towel, but keep moving forward and keep fighting. 
I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm not staying in a dry place, Brother Howard. I'm moving in the power of God. I made up my mind. I'm going to feel the power of God every single day. Why? Because I can't make it without it. You can't make it without it. Our families can't make it without it. We need the rain. Someone lift your hands right now. Someone lift your voices unto the Lord. Come on, someone lift your hands. Lift your voices. Call unto God. Oh, hallelujah. You can make up your mind to change it. Did you hear me? You can make up your mind to change it. You don't have to live in that dry place any longer. You don't have to live without the presence of God. You don't have to live in a marriage that doesn't feel God. You and your wife, you can make up your mind today. Your, your kids are crazy. That's all right. You can call down the power of God. Make it uncomfortable for them. Let them hear you travailing in the Holy Ghost. They're in the other room doing drugs, but that's okay. Let them hear the Holy Ghost going on. Make it uncomfortable for them. They're going to bring evil into the home. You can bring the Holy Ghost into the home. If you can't get out of that situation, I recognize there's a, sometimes there's no way of getting out of it. That's all right. Then bring the Holy Ghost into the situation. Change the dynamic. Change the equation. Say, we're going to have a move of God. We're going to change this thing up. Well, I'm determined. you got to make up your mind to do it. You can sit around hoping for something to change, wishing someone would step in. God's over here saying, hey, you got the power in you. Uh, it, God is ready to send the rain. All you got to do is prepare the atmosphere. Like the, pro, like the prophet said, he said, prepare for it. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He said, oh, you got you to get ready. Get ready because there's a rain coming. They said, wait a minute. We've been in this famine for years. There's not even a cloud in the sky. Elijah, what are you talking about? Rain coming. There's no rain coming. Servant goes over to the hilltop. Looks, there's nothing. Seven times the Bible says he goes. Six of those times he went. Nothing happened. He's looking out there like there ain't no rain coming. Then he goes the seventh time the Bible says he sees a cloud. You know what that, you know what that means there? He sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. That means if he holds his hand up, that's how they would measure things by the span of his hand. Holds his hand up over here about the size of his hand, way off in the distance. Not even covering their sphere. No, no, way off in the distance. A little cloud coming. Prophet says, that's it. There's rain coming. There's rain coming. I'm here to tell you, God's ready to send the rain. God's ready in your life. Some of you have been praying for your family. For your moms and dads, you've been praying, God, save them. God, show them the revelation. God, change their heart, change their mind. God hears your prayers. My God hears everything. He knows everything. There's not one prayer that you pray that God does not hear. God hears every single prayer. He, he knows it even before you ask. And when you ask this is what happened. This is what happens. You begin to change the very atmosphere. 
when you begin to pray, when you begin to call on God, you begin to pray and praise God, it changes the atmosphere and then God shows up. I'm telling you, God shows up. You might not see it happening now, but God's pulling on your family members. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's doing that. Every single prayer. I'm telling you, I, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You might think, well, they're still not in church, preacher. I've been praying for years. Keep on praying. Don't stop praying. God's doing a work. They, they might be resisting. They might be fighting against it. But don't stop. Don't give up. Keep praying because God is sending the rain. The rain. You got to make up in your mind. Let's all stand today. Let's all stand today. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 24. Oh, yes, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you make up in your mind, you stay determined. You say, what is this, just like a mind thing that we just have? No, 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 but there's something about faith that just believes God. God, you brought me here for a purpose. God, you called me for a purpose. God, you told me to go to this place. God, you told me to go to this church. God, you said to do such and such. You said in your word, God. So now, Lord, I'm trusting and I'm believing in your word. You're not going to leave me here to die. You're not going to leave me stranded. God didn't bring you this far to fail. God knows where you're at. You've been faithful. He's going to remain faithful. You've stayed with him. He's not going to leave you now. He's not going to put too much on you. If through every test and trial, he's going to make a way of escape. You can trust God. I said, trust God. Jeremiah chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 24. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain. Both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us. <laughs> he reserves for us. God has a reserve for you. God has your blessing set to the side. God has blessing for you and I in reserve. He, he can never run out. He, he has so much blessing and favor for your family, for your future. The Bible says he reserves for us the appointed weeks of harvest. I'm here to tell someone today, it's your time. It's your season. I believe that. I believe that we are in a moment at Life Church in 2021. This is our season. This is our day. We've been working. We've been sowing. We've been planting. We've been watering. I believe God's getting ready to send the increase. You say, you got that baptism out there again. It's kind of cold. Ain't no one want to get baptized today. 
Church, we're in a place in time. It's our season. And we're ready for the harvest. We're ready for the rain. I'm believing that souls, people, people are like wandering in the dark. And they're going to run into a tower. The Bible says they run into a strong tower and they are saved. The imagery there is the old fortress. I believe there are people running, looking, thirsty, without water. And they're going to walk down, run down, stumble on Azusa Avenue, 1054. They're going to come down Covina Boulevard, thirsty, stumbling on their last breath. And you know what they're going to find? They're going to find water. They're going to find hope. I'm telling you, church, it's our season. Your family, I'm telling you today, you need to expect God. I've been saying it all year. I'm going to keep on saying because I believe it. You need to expect the miraculous in your family. Family members you've been praying for. People you've been trying to witness to at work. Souls you've been reaching. You need to expect. Expect the miraculous. Expect them to start saying yes when they were saying no. Expect them to start making a a change. Expect them to even, don't be surprised when they reach out to you this week. and say, hey, I've been really going through something. I could use prayer. I I can't even tell you how many times I've gotten that, that text over the last year. People and people, I would never expect it. I have a family member. Been an atheist as long as I've been alive. He's older. You know, he reached out not too long ago. Said, hey, I've just been going through something. I could really use some prayer. Prayer? I thought, prayer? Of course, I didn't say that. I said, absolutely, you know. What's going on? It's our season. I said, it's our season. The rain. I can hear the sound of rain. I can hear the sound of blessing. I believe that there are going to be so many of you who go to work this next week and unexpected, unexpected raises and promotions and opportunities and bids awarded and new clients. And I just see it happening. Why? Because it's our season. It's our season. I can hear the sound of rain. I can, I can hear the sound of backsliders that have been gone for so long. Like that father of the prodigal son, he could see him coming from a long way off. You know where we're going to see him coming? We're going to see him pulling into the driveway, getting out of the car. Like, hey, I think that looks like old brother so-and-so used to come here back in 1992. You're going to see him coming down the road. Oh, that looks like sister, what's her name? Yeah, she used to be faithful to church. You're going to see him coming down the road. Why? Because it's your season. It's our season. God's on our side. Right now, if you found yourself, we're going to get ready to sing, but we're going we're to do that in a second. If you found yourself in that dry place, maybe you know, you know you've been living a way you should have been living. Maybe you know you put yourself there. You know you need to make a change. This altar's open for you today. 
Maybe you're there. That's all right. Go ahead and come. Maybe you're there because someone else put you there. You've been battling that bitterness I was talking about. This altar's open for you today, too. Maybe you hear what I'm preaching and saying, I, I don't know if I've ever felt the presence of God that way. I, I want to feel it the way you're talking about, preacher. This altar is open for you too. And of course, if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, today's your day. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, you can get the Holy Ghost this morning. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we got the baptismal tank ready for you today. We, we set it up just for you because we knew you were going to be here today. God knew you were going to be here today. Right now, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I want you to come to the front. If, if, if you want to get out of that dry place today, you want your family out of that dry place today, I want you to come. 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 Hallelujah. Come on down right now. If you're there, I, I'm going to give you a moment. That's good. Come on. They're coming from a long ways out right now. We have a prayer team, an altar team. We're going to go ahead. I want you to find someone to pray with in a moment. But would you come? God's got rain for you today. God's got rain for you today. Come to the front. Come to the front. Come to the front. Coming from all sides. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. We want to pray with you. We want to believe in faith with you. And when you get down to the front here, I want you to lift your hands in the air altar team I want you to find someone to pray with right now and I just want you to begin to worship God praise God if you don't have the Holy Ghost all you have to do is repent of your sins tell Jesus you're sorry tell him that you're ready to make a change and then begin to worship God and the presence of God will fall on you right now I'm going to ask our leadership and our prayer team and our altar team I want you to come and I want you to find someone to pray with. Don't let anybody stand alone. Don't let anybody pray alone. There's so many people up here. Find someone to pray with right now. Let's believe in faith right now. God is sending the rain, even right now. Open the floodgates.
the floodgates of heaven let it rain let it rain and open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of Say, open up the flood, open the flood. 